In your wanderings, you stumble upon a ruined temple buried deep within the heart of the forest. Wary, you continue on through thick overgrowth until you see a clearing that was once an ancient cathedral built by people, now rebuilt by nature itself. In the center is a preserved altar, stacked with various dice of all shapes and colors. As you contemplate what this means, a cloaked figure approaches from the shadows. Welcome, brave adventurer. Have you come to roll the dice? Explore strange new worlds with new strange rules? If you seek adventure worthy of being shared with good friends, you have come to the right place. Just roll for initiative. Welcome to the Nat One Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the table, everyone. Hey guys, welcome back to Nat One Nerds Podcast. We are finally doing our, well, final episode on Call of Cthulhu. Honestly, I've had a lot of fun with it. I'm a little sad to be finishing up, but there's so many other TTRPGs to get to that we gotta move on. When it comes to Call of Cthulhu, I guess, Parker, what were your overall final impressions of the system? Now that you've had some time to research it, play it, be around it a little bit. I actually enjoyed it a little bit more than I thought I would. Honestly, because like I was excited to try it out for for certain, but I'm not a huge horror person. I couldn't handle the ring that scarred me. <laughs> I the only suspense movie I've ever liked was like actually there's two. I liked A Quiet Place and I liked I Am Legend, but I don't ever need to see those movies ever again in my life. One time was fine. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I've always loved thrillers. Like I thrive off of, which is hilarious. Because my wife can't do any level of, like, stress, horror, gore, anything like that. So we have to, like, pace ourselves if we ever watch anything even remotely scary. And I usually come out of it with claw marks on my arm at the end because she just grabs on so tight. I'm that person in, in my own relationship. So <laughs> Savannah can handle that stuff a little bit better than I can. That is kind of funny. Like, I couldn't handle the, the jump scares in Jurassic Park. Really? Those weren't even that bad further testament to my very low threshold for not even horror, not even suspense, just jump scares. <laughs> I guess that's the difference. I was raised on adrenaline and thrillers like Halloween time would roll around and my dad would sit my brother and I down with a saw marathon. And that was just normal for us. So I just got used to it. Yeah. But there were aspects of the system that I, I really liked. I know it was actually my wife, Savannah. She asked the question earlier of what kind of mechanics did you really enjoy that you might incorporate into other systems? So that's one thing we really want to stress on this podcast is that one of the aspects of this podcast is that we want people to learn systems so that whether they want to actually jump into that system or just take something from it and incorporate it into the system that they really are die hard for. But the one thing I, I really liked, and I've seen it in well. I don't know if it was taken from Call of Cthulhu. There was, I've seen in D&D, people utilize sanity slash insanity aspects. Oh yeah, that's like one of the calling cards of Call of Cthulhu. It's like one of their signature things that sets them apart from all the other ones is the sanity mechanic. And I think that's one that could totally fit into other games. Like, mm -hmm. as a Dungeons & Dragons player, as you guys know, that's our roots... It would make sense that some things could traumatize your characters. Like, you go up against some pretty nasty stuff in that game. Yeah. So I like the idea of having some actual emotional damage go to your characters. And 
it makes for just such good role play mm-hmm. when you get to give them those emotional scars. Yeah, it's a it's just a good role play mechanic. It's no. a mechanic that encourages that role play aspect that is a little lacking in D&D and even a couple other systems. Now, keep in mind, GMs, DMs, whatever your title is for the system you're doing, we're advocating for giving the characters emotional damage, not your players. (laughs) (laughs) I know some listeners are going to be like, challenge accepted. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder. I I can be a little brutal as a DM. (laughs) But I think it's I think it I think it's such a signature aspect of Call of Cthulhu though because it it does it encourages that role play aspect because if you think about it in D and D you come up against like you do you come up against actual eldritch gods you come up against arch devils like that should you have a whole module that takes place in in hell yeah like that should be really scarring and while that module does have some aspects. Uh, both mechanically and suggestion to help make this more realistic is not the right word for this because you were transported to hell as an elf cleric. So, um, (laughs) but like to make it more, I don't know what the right word is, just more in depth for your character, I guess. But I think the insanity aspect, I think just helps overall because, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, the example I saw of people utilizing the insanity type mechanic in D&D was there was a dungeon master on the dungeon run named Jeff Kanata that he had people essentially roll kind of wisdom intelligence saving throws. And based off that D&D mechanic, he was able to kind of twist it a little bit to where it's because of insanity. And I think it was a combination of, of like intelligence and wisdom proficiencies combined that allowed you to have kind of an insanity score. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've listened to it, but it was really cool. And I was just remembering, Oh, this is so awesome. Plus there was like magic items that could like help you with that. Yeah. Which is very D and D. So it, it kind of fit. And it, I just thought he did a really good job and introduced something that wasn't D and D, but kind of made it D and D. Yeah. Which was really cool. That's always been one of my biggest qualms with Dungeons and Dragons is you, you very much get the, superhero syndrome where you could get beat with an inch of your life you're missing a limb and you just take a nap and you're good as new like honestly i've never been able to find any sort of reasoning behind why that works like in my last session or i guess technically it'd be two sessions ago in a campaign that i'm dming in that parker's actually playing in now he jumped in there we um had an assassin go up against the party and he literally one-shotted the rogue. I think he dealt 140 damage in a single blow. <laughs> Luckily, he was able to cut that in half because, you know, rogue shenanigans. So he didn't die outright. But he was able to just take a long rest and he's good as new. Nothing's yeah. wrong with him. So it, it's nice to be able to add some sort of a depth sort of damage to the players that can take time to heal. They can work on it in the story. It can become part of the narrative trying to recover from this trauma. And it's just such a cool mechanic to include that I think it's one that I would definitely include in my personal games regardless of the system. Yeah, do you, do you want to remind us how the insanity exactly works in Call of Cthulhu just so people can get a refresher on that? Yeah, the sanity mechanic in Call of Cthulhu, for those of you who have forgotten, it, the way it works is you have a sanity score that is determined off of your other scores for your character. And whenever you encounter something that is horrifying, gruesome, thrilling, just like something that could affect your sanity or mental state, you roll a sanity check 
against your score. And keep in mind with Call of Cthulhu, you use a D100 system. So say you have a sanity score of 60. You'd roll your D100, and if you roll lower than a 60, you're good. But if you roll higher than that, then depending on the intensity of whatever is causing your sanity roll, you would lose a certain amount of your sanity just permanently. Your score just goes down. And if you lose enough points, you get a, te a temporary bout of insanity and you just basically go crazy for a little bit. But the key thing is it steadily will decrease over time as you come across these Eldritch Horrors as you accumulate this mental scarring. Granted, depending on how your table plays, you could have ways to bump the sanity back up and recover, go see a therapist, get some mental help. But it, in the long run, it's a permanent mechanic which affects your character for the rest of the game. And I think that's just such a cool concept. Yeah, absolutely. It was really cool to see it up close in, in hand. Because I know earlier when we initially said what we were excited about learning about, that was the one thing I was excited about learning about. Yeah. Was was the insanity and kind of how that was and whatnot. So, and it's cool that they have kind of a flexibility of both temporary and permanent insanity. Yeah. Because the, the idea behind the game is that you encounter these horrors that just are so incomprehensible. It eventually gets to the point where your character just accumulates so much psychological damage that they become almost useless. Because if your insanity, if your sanity score is a ten, like you're not going to be able to pass any checks because your character is so scarred that they just can't handle anymore, and it's time to retire your investigator, even if they're still doing just fine otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Sanity is is its own role, right? When you're rolling the yeah. It's not based off intelligence or anything like that, I don't think. No, it is based off your intelligence. Oh, it is ba Okay, I, I thought it was, and then I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yes, it is based off your intelligence score, and then from there, as Brandon described. Yeah, you it generates itself separately from other scores, mm -hmm. which I kind of like the intersecting scores. That's something that I think is really cool, as opposed to in D&D, &D, you just roll each one separately, and then you just that's what you got yeah granted there are other methods but overall that's probably one of my favorite uh systems of call of cthulhu is that sanity system honestly as much fun as we had in call of cthulhu i do think it is definitely a niche uh module like a, a niche system for people mm -hmm. some people are really going to enjoy it other people not so much that's why when it comes to trying out different TTRPGs, it's nice to have the wide range available that we do. Like, there are so many out there. And for people like me who love thrillers and horror and getting in the nitty gritty and the adrenaline of it all, Call of Cthulhu is perfect for people like that. It'll help you to push those boundaries and figure out exactly what's going on. You get to investigate. Your character doesn't feel like a god who can... Just go tackle an archdemon because he's just too angry to die because he's a barbarian. Like, that's just, <laughs> that seems a little silly to me. But just a Joe Schmo wandering priest with a shotgun going into a cave full of, like, <laughs> demonic creatures, that's realistic and that's scary because one wrong swipe from those guys and you're dead. I feel like Call of Cthulhu is a medium for escape for those that like staying more realistic than not. Yes. So if if you like realism but still need that mode of escape via TTRPGs or tabletop role-playing games, Call of Cthulhu is definitely a system you should look into for sure. But on the flip side, if you're someone who's 
a little more shy when it comes to those things. You're not a fan of thrillers. You don't like horror, jump scares, or just not your cup of tea. You might not have quite as much fun in Call of Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. Because the whole motif of being an investigator, going to see what's going on in the eldritch world, just, it's not going to float your boat. Mm -hmm. So, like we said, each person has their own systems that they'll like and dislike, so Call of Cthulhu is no different in that matter. Well, even if, you, if there's a system that you're not crazy about, that doesn't mean there aren't aspects of it that you do still like about it. Exactly. Like the insanity check. I also, as you kind of talked about the just the D100 system, I'm kind of like, that, as weird as it is for a D&D player, it also makes really good sense. Oh, I loved the D100 system. And I think it honestly makes more sense than rolling a D20 and adding modifiers on top of it. The only thing that confused me about the D100 system is wanting to roll low instead of high. It like yeah. took took every ounce of rewiring my D&D lizard brain to get out of the high roll is good. Like there was a couple times I rolled like a 97. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so close. Like, wait, that's terrible. And most of the D&D tables, especially those published officially by Wizards of the Coast, like in the Dungeon Master's Guide, the higher numbers equal better stuff. Oh, most, that. most systems you want to roll high. Yeah. I would imagine there's a psychological reasoning why you want to roll. It's just that primal urge, bigger is better. Big number equal big dopamine. Yeah. That, as that, simply as I can put it. That that super checks out, though. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm evaluating myself. I'm like, yep, that actually is probably what's happening. Yeah, no, it just appeals to the <laughs> little center parts of our brains that are just pre-wired that when you get something big, it's flashy, it's good, and you want more of it, as opposed to... With Call of Cthulhu's D100 system, you want those little rolls. You get a, a roll of a one, and you are just set. Perfect roll. Mm -hmm. So that's something that definitely took some getting used to for me. Yeah. What I, I also liked about Call of Cthulhu was that it was um, it was more roleplay and character-centric. It yes. was not combat. Well, you're supposed to avoid combat or else you die. Yeah. Um, my character did not know that. I mean, to be fair, he was pretty well equipped for what he ran into. Yeah, that's that's fair. Then it also depends on your investigators. Like, someone could make a more combat-centered investigator. Maybe they're like a street brawler or a fencer-turned-investigator that uses their sword-wielding skills to fight stuff, or mm -hmm. someone with a shotgun. Yeah. Like, you never know. And as a general rule of thumb, the monsters you run into are almost always going to be stronger than your investigators, because... Unlike systems like Dungeons and Dragons, you don't level up over time and get stronger until you reach the pinnacle of godlike power. You're always just a normal human investigator who may get better at some of your skills, but you never progress in like your health or your damage. You just are how you are. Mm -hmm. It's like in real life. You can go to the gym and work out and get a little bit stronger, but in the end, like you still have your boundaries of being a human. Yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. So I think out of the the three of you explored so far, I think Call of Cthulhu emphasizes that the most. Yeah. The next being Fate Accelerated, and then D&D is just its thing. Well, Fate is just a complete sandbox. You can make it totally roleplay-centric, combat's not a big deal, or you can be like, combat's all over it. That's, yeah. that's honestly Fate's biggest strength, is you can do whatever the heck you want with it. That's 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 a fair, fair observation, for sure. But yeah, no, I do agree with you that Call of Cthulhu is definitely more roleplay-centered, because you're not a fighter, you're an investigator. Mm -hmm. You're there to figure out what's going on with these Eldritch Horrors, and you're there to figure out how to stop them. You're not necessarily there to stop them yourself with a well-placed blow from your sword. 
I was about to say, I think like maybe like 10% of the, of the skills listed. And it's a long list of skills you oh, can there have. Oh, so many. So many. Like it took up like half the page. But I think like maybe 10% of those skills were like even remotely combat oriented, mm-hmm. I think. Like oh, there yeah. was like even just looking at the sheet, the sheet is telling you almost to not make this a 100%. I think now, it's just. Like- I ignored that and put everything in the shotgun. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it basically has brawling firearms and shotguns specifically. I think that's like it. Yeah, I I, I want to say there's maybe like one or two other skills that it might be. I don't have the character sheet in front of me at the moment, but but that is another thing to definitely bring up about Call of Cthulhu is the character building is extremely in depth. Like, oh my gosh, you get so many options for skills that you can use, so many things to pick. It, it almost gives a little bit of decision paralysis when you're first doing it. Mm-hmm. But once you get to know the sheet, honestly, I love it. Because you can customize your character so much. Like, there's not a cookie-cutter build you go. You just, this is who your character is. This is their strengths. This is their weaknesses. And you can make it whatever you want. Yeah, and I also liked how one thing I remember was that the system didn't encourage keepers to get super nitty-gritty. Yeah. And when I say nitty gritty, not in the horror aspect because that's what it's all about, but like a, a term commonly super used. mundane stuff. So like if you're going to buy, like when we went to shop for lighting material, um, like flashlights, oil lanterns, stuff like that, you didn't ask about money, you didn't ask about anything like that. You just were like, no, your occupation and you you would have enough money to like, be able to buy it. Don't worry. Yeah, based off the occupation you choose for your investigator or the background for your character, essentially. Based off that, and then also the financial um, skill and the skill list, between those two things, that's all that's determined. And it's more of a, a generalization. Like, it kind of helps determine, like, okay, for this occupation, this occupation's poor is different from this occupation's poor. Yeah. Like, it kind of... A poor doctor is going to be better off than a poor garbage man. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a, a term that's pretty common in TTRPG communities is a crunchy system. Um, Call of Cthulhu is, I'd say it's like in the middle. The character creation is very crunchy. There's a lot to take in, a lot to kind of digest, and it's harder. Mm-hmm. But the actual gameplay goes way more smoothly than you would expect with how much is on your sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally, as a player, everything you need to know is on the sheet. Yep. You literally don't, as a player, you really don't need books i mean obviously those are very helpful still yeah but you don't need those things so now that we've got a lot of our discussion of the system out of the way i think it's time that we get to our official ratings of call of cthulhu so if you guys have listened to our podcast with other systems you know that once we hit this review episode at the end we give our overall ratings and feelings about the system and give it a a great so To start it off, the first metric that we rated on is character creation. And what we base this on is a mixture of how robust the character creation system is, how easy it is versus how hard, and how well we feel like we can make the character ourselves. So you want to go first? I think I should go first with these because I know between the two of us, you definitely love Call of Cthulhu a bit more than I do. Not that I don't like the system, I'm not saying that. But as far as level of love, the psychology major wins. So <laughs> That's fair. So I'm sure – so in this case, I will give that disclaimer that Brandon's rating has probably got a little bit more weight to it than mine does. 
Fair Especially enough. since he was the keeper, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> the keeper was fun to play. <laughs> so, I actually gave it a... No, I'm going to keep my original answer. I was about to change it. I, I put a five. <laughs> okay. Um, I kind of... Kind of what you said. It was a little bit robust, but once you got the numbers on the paper, it was the most it was the most wonderful reference sheet ever. Oh yeah, the actual character creation itself was a little rough to get through because there was so much number crunching, so many numbers to put down, and it was hard. But that's also as a first time player, I feel like it's one of those systems where once you've done it once, it gets so much easier. Yeah, in comparison to D and D, I feel like D and D takes a couple more times. Like you need, you can't just create one character. But once you've done like two or three, then it becomes stupidly easy to do after that. Yeah, you can just spit them out in your sleep. But at the flip side, you can say that about most systems. Once you've done it a couple of times, it becomes really easy to do. Yeah. So, but I it did take a while for us to kind of, well, I want to say a while, but it, it took us a minute to be like, okay, are we putting the right numbers down? Did yeah. we calculate this? I mean, Pedro did a great job explaining I know... Oh, we would have been hopelessly lost without Pedro. Oh, yeah. It no. was like a math homework assignment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was probably another intimidating factor as an English major. Because that was one <laughs> That was one reason I also chose English, because there's no numbers involved whatsoever. Yep. <laughs> so I, I gave it a five. I just kind of went down the middle. I felt like, in some aspects, once you... Because I felt like the first part were like the general stats... Those weren't too hard because I was able to find those online. And then when Pedro explained them on top of that, like, okay, that made sense. Yeah. You roll it. That's how it is. You want to either meet it or go under it. Okay. Makes sense. It was when trying to figure out and making sure, because I know our biggest hiccup in character creation was figuring out Donald's amount of points he had to be able to put into the skills because we thought it was this way. And then we thought it was this way. And then I think it was the third time that we're we like, stepped. Oh, that, that fits. It makes sense. Yeah. The third time we're like, okay, this is, this is making a lot more sense. We oh, it was with that. Claire's character. We messed up. We thought she had way more points than she did. Oh, she was like, where the heck do yeah. I even put all these? Cause we did Donald with Pedro. Yeah, so that so was a lot easier. But when we did Claire, our, we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. We, we were, we were lost. Pedro, you're an absolute lightsaber, man. Oh yeah. So. I don't want to play Call of Cthulhu without you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So as for me with character creation, I kind of gave it an average of two scores that I would give it. When it comes to robustness and customizability of character creation, I give it a 9 out of 10. Like, the amount of customization and how you can personalize your character is so amazing that I don't know if you can really beat it. And that's why I gave it such a high score right there. But on the flip side, because we had such a hard time creating the characters, I gave it for difficulty like a six. So I decided to kind of just cut it down the middle with a little bit of a bump. So I, I gave it an eight in total. Oh, you rounded up. I rounded up because I feel like <laughs> the amount of personalization you can give outweighs the difficulty once you learn. Yeah. So I'd say it leans more seven for a beginner, but it gets to like eight to nine-ish once you know what you're doing. Yeah. So... Final score for character creation for me is an eight. Yeah, I I do like that about the character creation with Call of Cthulhu is that instead of like picking classes and subclasses and backgrounds, you're not a rogue. You sneak and you stab. That's what you do. You're a therapist who happens to have gone shooting with his dad frequently, so he's good at shooting, but also is good with people, and so you can customize it however you want. 
Yeah, I feel like as long as you stay within that realm of realism as far as occupation, then you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. Based off the real world. I think D&D does that because you want to it's a it's a massive escapism it's a get in a fantasy world and beat stuff up system yeah it absolutely is so but if you're okay not being a paladin or this medieval knight type thing then call of cthulhu has an amazing character option yeah so our next criteria is role playing and i'll go first on this one we can go back and forth i honestly loved the role playing so much in call of cthulhu i straight up gave it a nine out of ten Ooh. I love the role-playing because it's just, like we said, it's so open to role-playing whatever you want. It's not You're not building your character to do combat. You build your character as an investigator to go look into this stuff. And because of that, I honestly can't really see any ways that it could be improved. Like, obviously there probably are ways, but off the top of my head, I just loved it. And I would just play it as is. Yeah. So I just changed my answer. <laughs> Sorry, I don't but it's not the you. same. <laughs> I, I went one point lower. I did an eight, just because. And I think the role playing is very tied in with with the character creation in that way, but also with like the insanity. It's a system where I feel like you can almost play as yourself. Oh yeah, it's so easy to project yourself into your character because it's so human like. Yeah. You are a normal person who's just doing these things, so it's so easy to put yourself in the story instead of playing Ragnar the Red, the Barbarian. Like that's that's nothing like me. I can't relate to that. It's fun to play, but I can't relate. Mm-hmm. But an investigator who's caught in this mischief, I one hundred percent can relate myself being in that situation. Not that I have in real life, <laughs> but it's really easy to relate to the character because they're so down to earth. Yeah. Which is ironic in the system about, like, Eldritch Horrors, their character creation so down to earth. Yeah. I think that's why Call of Duty is so relatable. But I will I will give this to D&D, to Dungeons & Dragons, that I think one aspect of character creation there is that the idea is that you, you want, you play what you want to be. Yeah. And so while you still project yourself in a lot of ways in, like, the minute details... I don't have scales and I can't smite things just to smite. Yeah. I can't go smite uh, an arch demon. I can't do that. Even in only my wildest dreams could I do that. But with this, I can relate to, you know, for instance, I tend to be a little more religious, so I can relate to Donald that way. Yeah. Because he's a clergyman. I mean, the closest you'll get to smiting something is probably finding a mouse in a pool and smacking it with your brush or something. I do that with spiders. <laughs> I have a pool that literally has a wool spider in the skimmer basket every freaking week. Yeah. So when the when fun. the dogs were left out, I was happy to skip it. I was like, beast. Yep. <laughs> Gave her an hour to call me back and she never did, so I was like, going home. <laughs> and I don't smite very good still. I still get the pole and I'm like attaching the brush to it. I'm like just poking in the the hole, like <laughs> I mean, that's honestly a perfect segue into our next criteria, which is combat. <laughs> so, combat in Call of Cthulhu. How do you feel about it, Parker? That was like the greatest segue ever. <laughs> How do I feel? Oh, I gotta get my train of thought back. Um, sorry, I derailed Parker. <laughs> um, combat. 
Um, I just kind of gave it a like a five or a six because it's it's not meant to be combat. Like combat's definitely an option. It's very much there. I had fun as Donald blowing stuff up with the double barrel shotgun. Granted, the keeper allowed my character to start off with the double barrel shotgun. Yeah. Which, for now on, if I ever have a shotgun option with characters in any TTRPG system, I'm going to choose the double barrel shotgun. <laughs> hey, so if I, it I, works, don't I like it. Because it is. In real life, it's that quick to just boom, boom. Like, it's, yeah. it's in, almost instantaneous. So, I, you, it's like the guaranteed two attacks. Yeah, it, it's nature's multi-attack. Yeah. When it comes to weapons. Yeah. So, that's what I need for my, my next Artificer character. Just this double barrel shotgun. shotgun at level one. <laughs> Get two attacks right off the bat. Boom, boom. <laughs> so when it comes to combat, I chose to give it a seven out of ten because, like you said, it's not meant for combat, but at the same time, their mechanics for combat are actually pretty solid. Like I love how they do initiative, just basing it purely off of everyone's dexterity scores. Just whoever has the fastest reactions goes first, and like the system itself for combat is very clean. It's just not meant for you to use it very often. Mm -hmm. So hence, like, 7 out of 10, because they did a good job making it. So that gets the score up. But you don't want to use it, which brings it back down a little bit. So I feel like, for for my opinion, 7 feels pretty safe. Yeah, okay. I, I can get behind that. Like, running the combat as the keeper, I felt like it ran really smoothly. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I think another thing, too, that I really liked what you were doing was that you... Within both the rules and realm of possibilities in-game, you allowed us as much creative freedom as possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes it a lot more fun instead of just, mm -hmm. no, you do an attack or run. You, no, you do what you want, and I'll just rule it how I feel. Yeah. No. And I, th I think that's how most keepers, dungeon masters, lore masters, game should masters. Do it, yeah. yeah. that's. I think that should... The default should be to allow as much creativity as, as possible based off both what's agreed at the table and how you run things as the game master. So, yeah. So the next criteria after combat is the overall mechanics of the game. This one, I feel before I say my score, I just got to give my reasoning first. I feel like for what call of Cthulhu is trying to do, they nailed it perfectly. Their mechanics fit to a T of how they want the game to be played and if you're wanting it to go that way, it's exactly what you need. I didn't feel the need to homebrew any mechanics. I didn't feel the need to change anything. Like in D&D, I'm homebrewing stuff all the time to make it feel smoother or to work the way I want. But because I was playing Call of Cthulhu the way it's meant to be played, it honestly just felt like it all fit together. And so that was honestly one of the few 10 out of 10s I've given. I was about to say, this is going to be a 10. <laughs> I, I, I have a really hard time giving a perfect score, but I could not think of anything to fix it. And it just felt so natural to the system itself. It just, it all fit together like this nice puzzle of the Mona Lisa where it's super complicated sticking the pieces in. But once you get them going and you look at it as a whole, it just fits. Mm -hmm. I loved the mechanics of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. So I, I don't have the Keeper's perspective on this. So again, that's why I give Brandon's grades more credence than mine. Because <laughs> mine's a bit hey, more player perspective narrow. is just as important. It, it is, but it's a little more narrow at the same time. Yeah, just that's a fair. Just a little bit more narrow. So that's why my score was lower. It was more like a 7 or 8, but I think it came back to that, that hiccup we had trying to figure out Claire's stats. 
Yeah. Not, not the general stats, but like the the amount of points that you can allocate. You, you can allocate. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that that was a big kick up. That that was huge, and I feel like if, I, but the problem is, I can't be too harsh, even if I wanted to be, because I wouldn't personally know how to do that. And I'm sure as we continue to explore systems together, we'll be better about oh maybe try this a little bit instead of this. We've only done three systems, and one of them was very sandboxy. So yeah, um, so this I one get, was much more crunchy. I'm just giving it a slightly slightly lower score than you, just because of how my initial reaction to learning that was. And it just it was it was a huge hiccup because I think we spent like I think two hours almost trying to just texting back and forth. <laughs> how does this work? Because I was texting you because I'm sitting there trying to trying to double check everything, and it just wasn't quite making sense sense to me. Yeah. So, but we were able to figure it out. We we were able to figure it out. So. And again, that kind of goes into character creation being a little rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think from a player's perspective, that's really all I personally have. But otherwise, I think everything that was done was totally fair. Like during the actual play, everything was super fair. It made sense. I was very down with that. I was so grateful he gave me a double barrel shotgun. <laughs> so when I still miss both times, I'm like, he gave me two shots. Like, and they can't can't argue with it. And then it, yeah, and it made sense to take an action for a better term to, to reload just, it to reload it because you have to like break yeah. the barrel down and then actually insert load it in the shell, snap back up. Mm-hmm. So it's got a slower reload, but it's a quick quick fire off. So yeah, so just grateful for that. So, and that brings us to the final criteria of complexity of the system. This is one we'll start with you. I actually gave it a pretty low score. And I gave it, well, the way I'm interpreting this is that the higher the score, the more complex it was. That's how I'm interpreting it. Okay. So, I I don't know how you did it. I interpret complexity as, like, how difficult it is to play overall. Yeah, so would you say, like, a higher score in that category was bad or... Um, I, I'd say a higher score was good because it meant that you could understand. So the better. higher the score, the simpler it actually was. Yeah. So we uh, probably should change that to simplicity. I mean, that's probably a good idea. It's a little vague complexity. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to make a note within my notes to, to do <laughs> we're, that. We're still learning. So, okay. So with that in mind, I will change it and I'm going to actually give it an eight. Okay. I I thought besides that one hiccup, everything kind of made sense. Cuz Pedro only had to explain it one time. And yeah. we we got it. So, it totally made sense. And the couple times we did have to go back outside of that one hiccup, when I did go back to double check like either by re-listening or um looking up online or in the book or whatever, got it. Like it it just made sense. Everything you ruled as the keeper during the play made absolutely sense. Everything was really smooth. Initiative was just based off people's dexterity, which 100% makes sense. So, um, as much as the paladin wants to get in there and smite things... If he's not fast, he's not fast. Well, especially when he's in plate. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the rogue and the ranger should be going first almost every time. It only makes sense. Well, when they're in a group setting. If, If they're off by themselves doing shenanigans, then they're off by themselves doing shenanigans. Well, as for me with complexity, I actually, for once in this system, gave you a lower gave it a lower score than you. I gave it a seven. Ooh. 
But that's because just the sheer amount of skills they had. I love how customizable it makes it, but I feel like it was just a few too many. There was a couple times as the keeper where they would do something and I had to take a second to figure out which skill check it would be because there was like five different ones that overlapped that it could be. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's a little hard and you can get decision paralysis trying to figure out like, well, shoot. Are they trying to persuade this person? Must be a psychology check? Is this general charisma? Like, what? what is this going to be? Mm-hmm. And it can get a bit complicated at times. So I feel like if they could just combine a few of those to make it a little more overall encompassing, it would make it a lot simpler. So that's why I gave it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So and okay. again, that's something from the keeper's perspective. There's just so many skills. As a player, you just get the skill called out and you roll it. Yeah. The keeper, you got to figure out what the heck am I going to make them roll? Yeah, exactly. Like there was times where like, I know when I was allocating points, like I was overwhelmed by how many skills. I'm like, oh man, because I like playing well-rounded characters. Oh, you can't uh, well-round in no, you can't, or else well, you're going to have like five in everything. Yeah, that's why That's why my initial impulse is just dump everything in the shop and I just went for it. And I was like, yeah, screw <laughs> it. Hey, it worked out. Suck at everything else. But I can shoot. Because reasons. There hey. was never a backstory reason why he could. I mean, it was a one-shot. You don't need in-depth backstories for a one-shot. I'm just going to say he grew up on a ranch. Grew up on a ranch. All right. I mean, growing up on a ranch can keep you safe from Terran, the world destroyer. So Yeah, he just grew up on like some Utah ranch or something. So, <laughs> so as for overall grades for Call of Cthulhu... I gave it a solid A. As you can tell from my scores, I gave it pretty high. Like, it's an A rank system. Not quite an A plus because it could use a little bit of polishing, but it is very well made. I enjoyed playing it. I thought it was good. Mm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was about to say, I think complexity was the lowest score you gave it, right? Yeah. It was a seven. Yep. Everything else was eight or higher. Um, I gave it a seven for combat as well. Okay, so those two tied. Okay. But generally nines and eights with 110, which is the first one I've given out so far. Yeah, I mean, rough, rough math, I think that would come out to... About an A, A minus. About an A minus, maybe like an 88 or 89, something really close to that. But when it comes to the overall grade, I just go with my gut feeling, like, did this system feel like an A, a B, feel like a C? Yeah. It I, felt like an A to me. I, I mean, I could go into teacher mode and actually properly grade the thing. Because it's teaching, so I'm willing to do a little math on that. But I'm not a teacher yet, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that's fine. I, I, I think your gut reaction, I feel like, is pretty close to the math anyway. So It's so. usually off by, like, maybe half a grade. Yeah, so we'll say A- minus then for you, probably. Yeah. I, I gave it, like, a solid B. Okay, I mean, that's fine. Like a B, B-, minus, as far as if we're doing the gut reaction, B, B-. Minus. I enjoyed it. I would be down to play it again. Um, but you weren't like enthralled with it. Oh my no, gosh, it's, 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 it's not a system that I, of my own volition, would choose to have regular sessions with. You're not going to seek out a Call of Cthulhu party anytime soon. No. No, I mean, I'm, I'm down if I get invited to one for sure. And I actually will know what the, kind of the heck I'm talking about now. <laughs> so, um, but there are definitely aspects of it that I will incorporate into Dungeons and Dragons because that that is the one system at the moment that is regularly done for me. Yeah. So that that is my table talk escape method for for the time being. 
I mean, it, it works. It's what you've been doing for a while, so I can get that. Yeah. And who knows, maybe as we explore more systems, we'll find other ones that could become a go-to. I also got to justify the, like, 15 D&D books that I bought, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's one of the reasons why I do mine electronically, is because then my wife can't see the size of my collection and she can't yell at me about it. She will now. <laughs> it's not like she listens. <laughs> All right, whatever makes you feel better, man. So I, I promise we, we talk about things like that. <laughs> but overall, I feel like Call of Clue is a good system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. If I were invited to a game, I would absolutely jump in if I could find the time for it. But I yeah, enjoyed it. That, that is the one downside to exploring TTRPG systems, is that 90% of them we will never regularly play ever. Yeah. Cue the tears rolling down my cheeks. So. I mean, you only have so much time in a day, mm-hmm. and there's so many systems. Yeah, it, it it is really hard. The the most we could hope for is one-shots. But hey, again, exploring systems, you have the option for one-shots. You never know when you're going to change systems. And honestly, you never know what you're going to learn from their systems to incorporate into the systems that you do regularly play. Exactly. Like that insanity thing, I think that's just so... That's not too hard to think of a like a D&D model for that. Like a D&D system for that. Yeah. It's not it's, it, not, it's hard. not hard to fit in. And it's not hard to fit into Fate Accelerated. It's not... It like, just, it I just would just have sense. my players roll up like their wisdom score times five for sanity and just roll with that. Yeah. It'd be so easy to implement. Oh, yeah. But hopefully you guys have enjoyed our adventure through Call of Cthulhu as much as we have. As things go, it's time for us to move on to our next system soon. Yeah. So hopefully you guys will enjoy our next system. We're not going to tell you what it is because not obviously yet. we want to surprise you, but you'll find it has a familiar ring to it. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> once again, thank you guys for jumping into Nat One Nerds. Uh, thanks for putting up with my dad jokes and... Hopefully you guys have enjoyed what you've heard so far. If you do, make sure to give us some feedback. Reach out to us on Nat One Nerds Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. Or email at natonenerdspodcast at gmail.com. All one word, no capitalization. If you, as Brandon said, if you like what we're doing overall and you want to show some support, leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. Share with friends. Thanks again for listening, you guys. Uh, hopefully we can get to see you later. Hopefully you guys get to come in and join us for our next system. So for now, this is Not One Nerds signing out. Happy rolling, guys.